1: Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 36 of Hack to Start. This episode features Max Altshuler, the founder and CEO of Sales Hacker. Tyler and I wanted to invite Max onto the show to share his insights on building startups, generating leads, and closing deals.
0: Max was the first business hire at Udemy, the world's largest destination for online classes. Max developed a framework that enabled the company to really scale its selection of content. He now runs Sales Hacker, a community of high-integrity sales professionals. They also run world-class sales conferences and Meetup series to help educate and train sales professionals. Let's get to it. Hey, Max, thanks for being on the show today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So we'd like to start things off by getting to know a bit about where you're from, what did you study, and how did your passion for entrepreneurship develop?
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm from Sasa, Long Island, uh, about 40 minutes outside of Manhattan on Long Island, uh, a little bit outside of Queens. I was there until I was 18, went to college uh, at Arizona State University, um, studied uh, architecture, actually. That's awesome. And, um, nice. Yeah, it was uh, an architecture major for the first two years of college and then the housing market crashed in oh seven, oh eight and switched over to a what's called a Bachelor of Interdisciplinary Studies, so BIS. We called it barely in school. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a joke. I mean it was I took all my classes online pretty much, uh, for the last two years of college and um you know, I, I didn't come away with much from, from university that I still use today, but um, while I was in college, I tried to start a, a university-wide bike share program similar to the ones that they now have in San Francisco, New York City, but at that point, they only had them in Barcelona and Paris and uh, you know a few other foreign countries. So tried to get that started at uh, Arizona State, won a uh, business plan competition for it. Uh, so we got some grant money, um, got the university to sign off on a exclusive rights to commercial bike sharing contract for the university. Uh, had the um, university architect sign off on locations, everything was going really well. And then the state school, uh, the, the state of Arizona cut state school funding by $215 million. So that was kind of over after that. You know, they basically like come back in two years. I was graduating, so that wasn't going to happen. Started a business right after that with a goal in mind of uh making American money while living abroad and uh. Started a social media company, sold it to bars, restaurants, uh, real estate agents, small businesses, and a month later, ended up with two of my buddies uh, living in Costa Rica for a little bit and then Nicaragua for a little bit. Spent a couple months down there, and then um, we were teaching ourselves how to program. Came across Udemy, and uh, kind of the rest was history. But I, I've always had a uh, a passion for entrepreneurship. Um, you know, when I was younger. Pokemon was popular, and you know I didn't really watch Pokemon, but what I did know was the value of all the cards, and so I would trade up and then go to the flea market and then sell the card yeah. and make a bunch of money off Pokemon, and you know from a very early age, between pogs and Pokemon and, and other random things like that, burning CDs, you know, I was always uh, very entrepreneurial, and then it kind of just snowballed from there.
1: That's awesome. So you mentioned yes. uh, you mentioned Udemy. So uh, for those who might not know, what is Udemy and, and how did you really uh, come across that opportunity?
2: Yeah. So Udemy is an online education marketplace. Uh, so it allows anyone to go on teach a course online, and allows anyone anywhere to learn pretty much anything that's that's on the marketplace. So this the amazing thing about it is how scalable it is. So for example. Um, you know, if I am really good at doing yoga and I want to teach a course on yoga, I could just set up an iPhone, record myself doing yoga, go through you know an hour of yoga poses, maybe switch it up for the next one, put together this really nice yoga class, and I can put it up for for a price or I can put it up for free. On the instructor side, you know that's a beautiful thing. On the student side, doesn't matter where you live, whether you're you know on the Upper West Side of you know New York City or rural uganda as long as you have internet you can learn anything uh, anything that's on udemy and whatever people are teaching so um when i first came across udemy and we were teaching ourselves at a program um i saw that and what that could potentially be and i was intrigued and um you know now i think they just raised a 32 million dollar series c so a couple hundred million dollar company but when i came in there there were I think nine employees. I was the first one on the instructor side, and I helped build out the instructor side of that platform. Put together all the sales processes. Um, hired out a virtual assistant team and uh, built a lot of the you know initial um, what we called supply side of the marketplace. But uh, I was actually working. I was I was working out of Nicaragua when I found out about them, and uh, flew up to San Francisco and um, kind of pulled the job out of their hands.
1: That's really cool so how I, I want to pry into that a little bit more how did you get the the first job if you were the first you know hire on on the marketing side of things by the sounds of it uh, how did you pitch uh, yourself to them and and what was that process like for for building out that first supply side I guess when there was very little on there
2: so yeah it was the first hire on the sales side which we called content and it was the the instructor side or supply side of the marketplace but yeah i I was working on that company in uh, Costa Rica and I think they saw you know what they needed in a Early stage person, um, you know, that, that first hire is, you know, can this person kind of self-start? Mm-hmm. Can they get going on their own and build out a process and not need to be micromanaged? I mean, a marketplace is like two, building two businesses at once. You kind of have to kind of see back and forth and make sure that, like, you're building demand and supply, you know, kind of evenly. If you have too much demand and not enough supply or vice versa, it's obviously going to fail. So you're building two businesses at once. So they needed someone who can come in and kind of build something um, without too much supervision but it was a very it was a great culture at Udemy um marketing and and sales worked very well together same thing with product um but yeah yeah I, uh, I had that kind of track record you know of of being an entrepreneur and i think that's something that they wanted was somebody that was like a sales entrepreneur you know it wasn't it wasn't like a salesperson wasn't an entre- like full entrepreneur that couldn't sell it was kind of a mix of, the, of both and i yeah. think that's the way you know sales is going these days in general is just um, it used to be a lot more of an art, and now you're able to do so much through technology that this science is catching up to it, and, and sales is very much of a an art and science role now.
1: Yeah, so we're going to get uh, into that a little bit more later on with Sales Hacker, but but let me ask you. So at a time when creating an online class wasn't as popular, how did you create that behavior? Were there any growth hacks you used to scale the content side of uh, Udemy? Oh,
2: yeah. Um yeah. So it's a very heavyweight sell, especially three years ago when there were really no other online education uh, platforms. This was before Udacity, before Coursera, before Treehouse,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, before most of them. Um, so getting an expert to actually take their time and create a course instead of write a book or you know do more consulting or in-person stuff was a pretty heavyweight sell. Now, the benefits are are great. They're, you know, like, you put yourself on the internet and you can teach hundreds of thousands of people instead of just, you know, a couple, you know, 10 or 20 that are in a classroom. Um, so you can actually teach the world. The revenue upside of teaching a course is there, but there's no guaranteed money, which these people are used to getting, you know, when you're selling experts on doing anything, they're either getting paid up front, getting an advance, you know, or something like that. Um, so it's really hard to say, hey, yeah, take a chance on this. It's going to take you a while, and you never, you don't know what you're doing. You've never done this before, and you might not make any money. But you know, it's the future. Uh, isn't really Isn't really a sales pitch that's going to work many times. So it was challenging, and what we had to do was build a really big fat pipeline. And that's how you that's that's how you close a lot of deals. That's how you kind of ramp up a marketplace is by going out and getting as many leads as possible. So what we did was. Our first main vertical was technology. And the technology vertical is broken up into a bunch of different programming languages. So we went on Amazon and and some other sites that had books, you know, because people weren't, there weren't really like course catalogs yet. And we found out what the best sellers were. And so the best sellers at the time were PHP, Ruby on Rails, Python, uh, maybe Node.js, some, you know, a couple other programming languages. We'd set up a spreadsheet. Each tab was a different programming language. And then the, Uh, header was all the information that we wanted to collect. So first name, last name, do they have pre-recording content or pre-existing content? Um, Do they have Twitter? If so, how many followers they have? We wanted this for like influence factors. So we took down all the information of these people and I had a team in the Philippines go out and um, they would search SlideShare, Slide6, Vimeo, Bing, uh, YouTube, uh, Vimeo, so anywhere that had... Uh, anywhere that had content, you know, whether it was like PowerPoints, video, or on Google, you know, their own website or anything like that. We'd search for certain keywords, and how we would find those keywords is I actually had an SEO tool, which was a keyword generator, and what I would do is I'd go in the first box, you type in beginners, intermediate, advanced, uh, intro, words like that. Second box was the programming language. Third box was classes, tutorials, videos, stuff like that. And when you generated that, when you hit generate, it created strings. So beginners, Python classes, intro, Python classes, uh, intermediate, Python classes. And what the VAs in the Philippines could do is copy and paste those into all the, um, into all the search engines and then go down the lists and scrape people's you know, contact information, name, first name, last name, everything that we wanted into those lists uh, through searching through those directories. So we ended up with was you know 12 VAs going through and scraping, um, building massive lists of people who could potentially uh, be experts on Udemy, create courses. And then we used a tool. We were one of their first users, a company called ToutApp. And uh, what it did was we were able to upload those lists into ToutApp, put together a templated sales pitch email, and then dynamically pull in personalized information. So, hey, first name, and it pulls in their first name. Really love your stuff, at, pulls in their website. You know, or something like that, mm-hmm. and we're able to send these uh, template emails out to these instructors at scale. So, you know, fifty to one hundred a day from each email address, and anything that came back, anybody who came back interested, um, would get a an answer usually from a virtual assistant. So, one of our VAs had like a knowledge base in front of them. If they could answer the question, they would and set up a call with me. If they couldn't answer the question, they would just try and set up a call with me right away. So. We automated a lot of this outbound process and created virtual SDRs. And so, at some point, you would just walk in with a bunch of warm phone calls, and uh, you know, you were talking to people who were already interested, and you end up getting their information. You know, I, I mean, I spoke to um, James Altucher and Steve Blank and some really, you know, big names, you know, in these industries, and it was all through kind of cold outreach. Like the first email went through a, a virtual assistant, and the best thing about that that Program Towed App, or that we were using, was um, it showed us open rates, click through rates, and response rates. Uh, so we can actually um, tweak and optimize the email to make sure that that number is always getting better.
0: So you're currently the founder and the CEO of uh, Sales Hacker. So what is it, and what motivated you to start it?
2: Yeah, so we were doing this kind of stuff at Udemy. We called it sales hacking, and uh, you know, I knew a couple other people in San Francisco that were doing similar things. And so we kind of started a uh, little invite-only meetup um, with people we knew that were doing, you know, um, similar stuff. And uh, it kind of it met every month, and it kind of spiraled into something much bigger. And I uh, left Udemy, went to attorney fee. Attorney fee ended up selling to LegalZoom, uh, left them, and figured, you know, I didn't know what I want to do next, but I knew we had some really interesting people in our in our meetups, and figured why not throw a conference around it. And kind of ran with it. First conference we did in six weeks with no previous experience. Had about three hundred people in San Francisco. Sold tickets for three hundred apiece. And from then on, it was like, okay, well, there's actually something here. Uh, sales automation is, is is in its infancy. Um, and if you look at what uh, marketing automation did before it, you know, you'll see that it had, you know, three multi-billion-dollar acquisitions in a local response, this Exact Target, two in uh, two IPOs in. Uh, Ah, uh, multi-billion-dollar IPOs in HubSpot and Marketo, and then uh, plenty of uh, you know eight and nine-figure acquisitions like Pardot and so on. So, if sales automation goes the same way, we're at a very early stage, and people don't understand it yet. Um, outside of that, there's very few programs um, in college even anywhere mm-hmm. that sales. So, there's a, a clear need for it. Salespeople keep the lights on. You really can't. I mean, you can build a big business without sales but it's uh, few and far between you got to be uh, you got to be slack or atlassian or you know very few companies to be able to do that and in most cases you know some of those companies say you can do it but they have customer success and guess what those people are salespeople so um, you know it's it's
0: really the same thing that's awesome so what's the best sales advice you'd share with the founder pretty much
2: always bring in somebody who's better than you and uh, mm-hmm. what the role is so uh, unless you are, you know, I'm trying to think of some founders right now that are, that are salespeople from, from before there aren't very many, mm-hmm. but in most cases, um, you know, for a founder, go in and find somebody who's better at that job
0: than you and, and bring them in and don't micromanage them. Let them run with it. So how'd you go about organizing the first conference and what were some of the processes that you used to recruit such high level speakers and sponsors?
2: Yeah. I mean, um, I guess I'm lucky enough to have had uh, a pretty good network and reputation. I guess when uh, when we first started through the the sales hacker meetups and through um, my writing, um, you know, I was kind of blogging uh, about some of the stuff we were doing and, and getting attention that way. But you know, it's a small circle in San Francisco, so if you're doing something unique and interesting, and uh, and, and generally you're a good person, uh, people want to work with you, and uh, we were very lucky to have a, a pretty strong network that came out of the Sales Hacker meetup. And when I announced it to the meetup the first time, we had about six speakers and like 15K in sponsorships. So um, it was pretty easy to get going. I think uh, if you already had a, a brand or a reputation, it's a lot easier. As you can see, I don't know if you saw the Saster uh, annual that we threw uh, with Jason Lemkin two weeks ago, but that was the first conference he ever did. We did that in three months and you know, we had uh, over 1,000 people there
0: and wow, that's was, amazing.
2: Yeah, so again, high price ticket, $450 a ticket, um, 1,000 people for a one-day event. Uh, so if you have a brand and a, and a good reputation beforehand, it's actually not that hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a lot of noise, you know, there, is, uh, you know there, there are a lot of companies doing their own events now and so you just have to make sure that your, your event is super high quality and people trust you for very quality information.
0: Now, Sales Hacker's conference has expanded to New York City, San Francisco, Toronto, and have meetups in major cities around the world. How did you approach building the community um, for this?
2: Yeah, so kind of launched the first conference after the meetup, and um, you know a few months later, figured that okay, I'm going to go full time on this, and we built saleshacker.com. We started, you know, uh, getting people to guest post and and blog about this stuff, and again, I think it comes back to. Just high-quality and high-integrity content and, and organization. Um, if you have high-quality content, people are going to come there. People are going to share, share what you're doing. Um, and if you're a high-integrity organization, people are going to trust what you have to say. And building trust in the, in the community is like first and foremost. Honestly, if you lose that trust, um, you lose your entire community. So I think we've done a very good job of keeping it pretty high integrity and keeping that trust um, and keeping good content flowing uh, constantly from the very beginning.
0: If I wanted to launch my own conference, what advice would you give me based on your experience with Sales Hacker Conference?
2: Um, build a list first. Build a build a an online brand first in some capacity before you just launch a conference. You know, you gotta have you gotta have some kind of network beforehand if you're gonna do it. And you better know that the that what you're throwing a conference in is something that people want. Because you can learn your lesson uh, the very a very hard way, and also um, very much undervalue what you're doing. So start small. Don't try and do a 300 person conference right off the bat. First, do a meetup for you know 40 to 50 dollars a ticket for you know 100 people or something like that. Um, that goes from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. or something, or five to nine, or six to nine, and then to a conference if that works. Uh, I wouldn't jump right into a conference. and I got lucky. It worked out. It was also in sales and tech sales, and not a lot of people were doing it, but um, I've seen other people kind of try and jump in to things that were not half-baked, but there wasn't an, an audience there yet. I mean, it was too early, or you know, they didn't take time to, to nurture and build that audience. They just wanted to jump right in, and, and that doesn't work uh, very well sometimes. Backfires, and it's expensive too. If you if you fail,
0: because you still you have a hard deadline, and you're still on the hook. So, what's next for Sales Hacker in, in uh, 2015?
2: Yeah, so um, we have our uh, New York City conference on April 30th. That'll be launched uh, very shortly, and then um, we have Dublin on July 1st. We're scaling out to as many cities as possible for our Sales Hacker series events. So I think we're in about 30 cities right now. I know we have Paris coming up uh, on the calendar. We have um, Austin and Dublin events coming up. We got Sydney coming up. We got Zurich coming coming up. We got London coming up. Uh, Last week we had New York, Seattle, and uh, San Francisco. So um, uh, Palo Alto was last Mm -hmm. week. Uh, You know, so we're we're getting out there for as many many cities as possible for these smaller events. These are our meetups, our Sales Hacker Series events. Um, So always looking for hosts in new cities and. Uh, trying to get people to local events but my book is coming out in a week and uh, it's called Hacking Sales and um, that'll be available from SalesHacker and HackingSales.com and on Amazon but I think the thing that I'm most interested in and most excited about is um, we have our first class on the first weekend in April and uh, we have no plans to get into training your SDR team no plans to get into training uh, you know college graduates to become SDRs or anything like that but we want to train war vets uh, to do the sales development role so basically give war vets an education um, in sales and prospecting which is the sales development by the way NSDR is a sales development repre- representative it's the uh, most junior role in like a sales organization it's kind of like the entry-level sales job but uh, as more and more vets come back from overseas looking for jobs there are tons of companies right now hiring Um, for this sales development kind of entry level uh, sales position and uh, can't find enough candidates. And, you know, I think that, you know, one, the the personality traits between a a vet and a a, someone in sales are, are very close. And two, I think we could deliver extreme value uh, in training and then hand them off to companies that are um, interesting, high integrity companies and provide value all the way around. So, um, provide value for the company, provide value for the vet, and uh, provide a, a service to the community, which is pretty cool. So, that'll be the first week of April. And um, we'll have more information about that on saleshacker.com soon.
1: That's awesome. Looking forward to seeing all the growth in 2015, then. Yes. Um, so, just, you know, if you weren't working on Sales Hacker, what else would you be doing, or where do you see the biggest opportunities for uh, entrepreneurs right now?
2: Yeah, if I wasn't working on Sales Hacker, I'm sure I'd be selling some kind of. Uh, SaaS product, or uh, or starting something myself um, in the tools or some kind of software company. I mean, at this point, you know when you when you worked for two or three startups before, and you make someone, you, you kind of feel like you're making someone else rich, and you just want to. At that point, you have enough education where you want to go out and do it on your own. Sales hacker, I kind of just fell into. But yeah, if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be working, you know, on something on my own uh, for sure. Probably selling to salespeople. I just don't know what that is. But there are plenty of opportunities um, still in sales automation. It's very much in its infancy. And so um, if you can build something for salespeople that fills the gap, um, you should be able to sell it pretty well. SaaS is really hot right now. I definitely want to always do something that I'm passionate about and that I like doing. I actually happen to like sales a lot, so this is this is fun for me. But I think uh, you know the next thing I do might want to be you know, maybe something with dogs, some kind of technology there, um, which is which is interesting because I love dogs, but it's also an area that people spend a lot of money on. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, you know, I have no idea. That's awesome.
2: Like at a time, you know?
0: So are there any apps, books, devices, or tools that you're really obsessed with right now?
2: Yeah, there, there are a ton of tools that I'm obsessed with, but they're all there's about 200 of them in my book. Um, but I'll, I'll pick a couple for you right now. Uh, Salesloft uh, is really good, and Toofer, T-O-O-F-R, both really good tools for pulling out email addresses. So one, Salesloft pulls email addresses out of Salesforce, uh, out of a LinkedIn. And so you go to somebody's LinkedIn page and you can get an email address from there. Um, and it's really good for building like a, a huge list of prospects, especially at big companies. Toofer is great if you have first name, last name, and domain name, and you want an email address. And it could also verify email addresses. Datanize is another good one. It allows you to see which uh, which APIs and integrations and companies, other and software, other companies are using. So, for example, if your customers are, um, if your ideal customer profile is someone who uses Google Apps and Salesforce, you can see who all those companies are, and now you have like a really good prospect list. Then there's all the outbound emailing um, services like Yesware, Towedup, Outreach.io. Cadence from Sales Loft, which are uh which help you kind of test and optimize your your outbound emailing. Um and then also send in, in bulk, which are really good. And um let's see. Oh, connectifier is another one that I really like. Uh it allows you to go to any social profile and see it comes up with this little uh, like bar on the right side of your screen. And it'll show you um any email addresses that are publicly listed. It'll show you uh, information, social information about that person that isn't on that page. Um, So it's a really good tool. It's kind of like reported on steroids, but kind of follows you around on social. So that's a great one. Uh, What else? LinkedIn Sales Navigator is pretty good. It could be better, but for now it's pretty good um, at um, helping you kind of uh, source leads through LinkedIn. Uh, So that's not one, but...
1: Yeah, so no, those are those are some awesome tools, and uh, we'll link to Sales Hacker, and uh, I'll add an updated link to when your book comes out uh, to to check out uh, that so that people can see the other tools that you recommend.
2: Yeah, we showcase about two hundred tools in the book. It's um, it's very much about the process from the seller's perspective. Whether you're two technical co-founders, an entrepreneur, or a sales rep, or you know the first sales hire at a company, it's very much like how to. Through the process, a couple hacks and tips, and then about two hundred tools. So you know, here's how you do it, and then here are the tools you can use to automate it. Um, So there's a lot of tools in there. So tools you like, um,
1: it'll be good for you. So do you have any last thoughts or personal models that you live by, and you think others should know about?
2: I guess the main thing is uh, find people along the way and keep keep in touch with people along the way that you like working with and that you want to work with. And then when it comes time to strike, now you got a you know a crack team you can recruit. And bring in, that's like the biggest asset you can uh, you can build along the way, and I don't think a lot of people do a good job at it. So um, I keep a list called my IMF list, I, impressive mother, you know, <laughs> I guess the rest of that. But uh, and I, I try and hire as many people from that list as possible on, on whatever I'm working on. It's been great. I have two people on my team that, that came from that uh, from that list, and I try and get as many as possible.
1: That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for uh, spending some time with us, Max, and and sharing your insights. It was amazing to to learn all this stuff from you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Hack to Start, and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.